So you don't remember anything we talked about last night, huh? I got really melodramatic, didn't I? Well, uh, told me that you weren't really on a vacation, that you've been looking for a job for a year, and you've been living with your boyfriend, Tim, and uh, didn't work out. And since you didn't have any money, you decided to move back here for a little while. For the record, I figured out that you were broke on my own, so you don't have to feel bad about it. Oh, well, congratulations. Is there anything else? I told you that if you wanted to give me a hand at the bar, you're more than welcome. You know, make a little money while you were staying here. What did I say? <laughs> you said yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have asked you when you're drunk. That's bad timing by me. I, no. I just, we were just talking what are you talking about? It's such a nice thing to do, but, I mean, do you need help um, at the bar? If this mess keeps going on, yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely need help at the bar. I've got a drink. So welcome back to Marcus Played, this time uh, totally programmed by my co-host. Uh, you found a podcast, we, we kind of teased it at the end of last week's episode, and you decided, uh, I think in a sort of strong arming sort of way, that you were going to get me to watch uh, Colossal. Yes. Uh, because I revealed that I, I this one somehow just uh, got past me. Like I remember looking forward to it, but I feel like uh, I'm going to defend myself a little bit. Uh, and you can speak to this as you're an international man of mystery. I am. But a lot of these like festival darlings, I believe this was like a Sundance uh, hit, like a, a sort of a buzzy thing people were talking about for months, that the the release date is this like moving target of when it's going to come to you. And then by right. the time... And it depends where you live as well. Yeah. I don't believe this ever got a theatrical release in my neck of the woods. So uh it had a long gestation period where people were really talking about it, really talking about it and then it's almost like accidentally it's revealed to me on my phone like hey you you can watch Colossal now if you want but that may be 10 months later and i, I don't know right. the the mood has passed uh in some regards but the main reason you want to talk about it was the filmmaker who i still really know jack all about cuz when i look at his filmography uh this this is the first entry in my my letterbox logging uh, for uh, Nacho, I'm allowed to just call him Nacho, right? That's what we discussed. Don't uh, don't let uh, Jesse Eisenberg hear you. Uh, disrespect the man. I am going to put that clip in the show, like just you okay, because I I, I, I don't think uh, I should expect our listeners to be up to date on the Jesse Eisenberg publicity tour catalog. But there's some good stuff in there. So I actually, <laughs> yeah, I actually am looking at this episode as a victory lap for me. You know, I, I, the whole thing is just a victory lap for myself to. No, you know, pound my chest and uh, just keep reiterating about how right I was to recommend this movie to you. Um, but actually, the what we're really doing is 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 how we're discovering films, right? How you talk about the long gestation period, and you and I are a little different because we are we're, we're film lovers, so we consume pretty much anything, um, and we're also to a degree hyper aware of things before we should be. Like if it, if it doesn't come to your local theater, your average moviegoer isn't aware of it. So they're, they don't have this love-hate dynamic I have with Colossal where I'm kind of pissed at it, where it didn't come my way when it was cool to, to see it. And so then I, I sort of put it on the back burner. I, I would assume most people, and I think that's what you want to get at, is uh, you know it may just be totally accidental. Like it, it may just be a box that they're scrolling past on whatever right. service they're using, and they, they, they like Anne Hathaway, they like to post or whatever it is, the concept, and they click on it. Yeah, so I, I was listening to the Next Real Film podcast, uh, and – they were talking about Colossal in very, very glowing terms. This is the way kind of time travel movies work. 
in my head. Okay. I, I watch the film. I process the film. I, I, I piece it all together and I can, I can get it. Like it all clicks. And then just, you know, as, as time ticks away from me finishing it, slowly those pieces it start falls apart. <laughs> How did that work again? Is that logical? Yeah, no, right. <laughs> totally, totally get that. But see, I, I compare this, like there's this low budget kind of gestalt here around time travel, which is because you can get away with it without fancy effects. You know, you close a door and suddenly, boop, time just passed. And uh, th- this is one of those movies. It is, uh, you know, along the lines of Primer. I know that's something that you were thinking about. I was thinking about that too. With Primer, I need a damn chart, like a flow chart to figure out what just happened and how did it happen and where are we now? Like, didn't they just go to sleep in a carton and wake up and that was <laughs> and time moved? Like, <laughs> right. But here, uh, this movie, I feel like I, they do a, a fair job of the visual cues and you can tell from the very first sort of sequence where, uh, he, he comes home with all of the stuff and he goes in and they do a close up on the phone falling under the couch and, and these little cues, these little like, um, extreme close ups on, on specific elements, you just know in your heart of hearts, okay, I'm going to need to pay attention to that. And Nacho Vigalondo does such a good job of helping me realize what I need to pay attention to that I never really feel lost, even when. And it, I, I remember when I saw the film, I loved it. I thought it was probably in my top 10 of the, of the year. I think 2016 that it came out, maybe, uh, whatever it was. And, uh, it inspired me. And this is how I discover movies, obviously through the traditional ways for people who love movies and are hyper aware, like you're saying, but I will go down the rabbit hole of a director if I really like it. Um, so, uh, I discovered this movie, uh, obviously through the, the talk, the festival darling talk that you love so much. And, uh, I went back and I watched time crimes. So they were watching, they were talking about, uh, time crimes on their podcast. And, um, I remember really loving this movie or not love is a, is a, is a tough, is a term. It's not, not like I love it. Like I love colossal, but time crimes, I think you should watch it. I think you really should. I think, um, it is a movie that plays with time and the playing with time is the point of the movie, right? The, the plot is. You don't really care what the outcome is. You just kind of want to watch the way they play with time. Sort of like you ever seen the movie called Primer? Yeah, I think uh, on uh, my my podcast that started off for me as far as having these type of conversations with uh, strange men like yourself, uh, War Machine versus Warhorse. That was the very first thing we recorded. And you talk about the wrong movie to start your movie podcasting uh, hobby yeah. on. We didn't know what we were doing as far as how to even have a conversation that's entertaining people and picking that movie to try to make heads or tails of it was not good. No. So, yeah, but I've not seen it in years. And I think that was, if I could dig up that, uh, I, I you know, I probably should. I probably should dig up the, the clip, one of the clips of me sounding like an idiot trying to talk about Primer. Uh, I'm sure it won't be hard to find. Uh, you know, maybe I, I may have uh, delisted that one <laughs> like YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what I can do. But I mean, the the whole point of of time crimes is the way you're playing with time, and I find it I find that interesting. There's just a different sort so it's of like a set process movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a process, right? I, I think you might enjoy. It. I mean, it's in Spanish. You're gonna have to do a little reading. Um, sorry. You know, it's it's this is uh outside of uh, this this podcast, but I was I was sort of bemoaning and uh, calling you out for for being, I guess, the the elitist, uh, you know 
uh, cinephile that is wanting to bring these these foreign films. You come back to America and you, you bring this disease with you, and now you're trying to infect, you know, our general movie going lovers. You're like the Academy Awards. You, you want to give it to the oh, the, the foreign Look language films. You know what, what's going on? Which um, did you have any issue? This is also another a tangent to my tangent that people were. I believe you called it Euro trash, by the way. Euro trash movies is what you called it. Yes, I, I actually is a you know I, I'll get on my Criterion channel and see if they've got a <laughs> a list that's just called a Euro <laughs> trash. Euro trash. <laughs> They'll get a, another year out of me. Uh, did you do you find it uh, slightly racist uh, from the the progressives uh, in in film Twitter that they were they're praising Parasite as being the first foreign language film uh, winner when, if you look back the last 10 years, the, the Academy has given a lot of gold to foreign directors. They're just, I guess, doing English language films, but it's, it's almost like, oh, that doesn't count. You, <laughs> you Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, Guillermo del Toro, where is he from? Didn't he just win, like, last year? Did the guy who, who's the guy that directed Gravity? Because there's, like, three of them that are, like, uh, like he, he's part of... Yeah, and the, the guy and who did Birdman as well. Um, I get them all confused because it's all Del, to- Del Toro and his like crew. They're like all three like really good friends. Right. But they've like dominated the uh, best director category this like previous decade. Anyway, that's just my you know I, I don't know that that feels to me like people are discounting their their work uh, if it's not I guess in their their native tongue. So just to run it down to you, um, so we had a little bit of a blip last year with uh, Green Book. <laughs> But that didn't win Best Director, though, right? No, they won Best Picture. But didn't so they love the pi- Roma? Guillermo del Toro. Then we had Moonlight, Spotlight. You talk about, and then Birdman. Inuritu did Birdman. But didn't uh, who did Roma? Didn't he win Best Director the year of Green Book? Ooh, let me look up Best Director. Yeah, this is great podcasting right here. Me searching Wikipedia. I mean, this is uh, this is basically what most movie podcasts are. Really, we can, <laughs> we could put a lot of clips here of list shows, and uh, that's basically what they're doing. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so best director. This year, Bong Joon-ho. Last year, Roma, Alfonso Cuaron. The year before that, Guillermo del Toro. The year before that, Damien Chazelle. White guy. Finally. Uh, 20, Goodness. 2015, Inuritu. The year before that, Inuritu. The year before that, Cuaron. The year before that, Ang Lee. Domination. Look at this. The year before that, Michael Haneke. Oh, no. Wait, how do you say that? The guy who did Artist. He's French. I don't know how to say that. That that was just uh, you know I think my point's being made here that oh yeah <laughs> we, yeah I'm... we have allowed the uh, international film community uh, I, I say allowed in particular with the artists because I don't think that one has aged well I don't know if it was even like a favorite among cinephiles uh, during that year I think that was Fincher's year and it was stolen from him uh, anyway that's just my 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 sort of personal distaste for the the discourse <laughs> there's seemingly a lack of acknowledgement of uh, this you know they're they're running up the score. Uh, here, so it's mm, a good point. Yeah. But you know, you bring up the Academy Awards, and now that you know that kind of dovetails back into our conversation, the topic we're supposed to be talking about before you uh, derailed it, went down the old Deniston rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Is the Academy Awards? I think is a way for people to discover new films, right? Because this Should is be. where, yeah, right. I mean, because that's why they all get released again in the theaters, and that's why they all come back, and that's why people start watching films like Roma again. You know, even though. It was a little different. It was on Netflix, and you know, Netflix is sh- jamming that right up on the front of the screen, right next to the Tiger Beat movie, and the, it, <laughs> or show whatever that is. Yeah, I don't know if that would be uh, the best way. 
because uh, I think you might have some angry uh, customers if they if you put Roma right next to <laughs> Tiger King or whatever it's called. Whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the algorithm is not probably working as it as it should uh, there. Uh, I don't know. Like it's, I, I think you bring up a, a solid point as far as probably even for our audience. I think the discovery is going to be so skewed because. You know, if you're listening to a movie podcast and a movie podcast about movie podcasts in particular, uh, you're, you're probably hyper aggressive about finding your own your own stuff. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so I want to like, I guess, you know, question you. Uh, how how do you how do you kind of remove yourself from all the noise? Like, are are you actually looking for guidance from you know, be it Twitter, Letterbox, podcasts, uh, or do you want to kind of step away and like you know, find your own your own sense of discovery thing. No, I look for guidance, particularly when I was living in Europe, I had to look for guidance because I don't have the, I, 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 I'm not as connected. I don't have as many options. So I have to like really exert a lot of effort to actually go watch these films. I have to turn on a VPN. I have to, you know, purchase the movie or, or something. I have to exert where's here. I can just go to the theater or a lot of times it's just streaming or something like that. Um, so I do look for guidance. I look for people I trust, you know, who develop a, a pretty good sensibility of, of, of where I can find their opinion matches mine a little bit. And then I also, I mean, I, I consume enough where I can afford a few strikeouts. And so I'll go like Rotten Tomatoes and sift it by the percentages and stuff like that and go through that. I, I mean, I watch so many movies that I, I, but I do look for guidance. I have to because, um, even though I can afford the strikeouts, I really don't like the strikeouts. <laughs> well, you're still, still getting angry. Well, you are you a completionist? Like, if you start something, do you see it through the end? Because I, I think I've developed a reputation. You know, I, I'm a fan of the walkout. Even in a movie theater, I, I do not care. Like, if I feel like my movie pass really, you know, exacerbated that problem with you. Yeah, because it's like, you know, I, I didn't spend at least that day. I mean, depending on how you will look at it, the economics of it, I have invested some money in it. But my main concern was the time. And since Movie Pass was opening the door for me to spend as much time as I wanted in a movie theater, uh, I could be more choosy with what I sat through. And right. I don't know if I do that as much at home, uh, but I'm not I'm not real strict with devoting two straight hours to something or two and a half, three hours. Mm. But I, I am definitely like my habits have changed in home viewing as far as like if I if I start to get sleepy, even if I'm into something like I have to be up for work the next morning. Uh, I have no problem picking it up the next day. Oh yeah, I'm the same way. I'll, I'll I'll pick it up the next day. But also, you asked the question of do I tap out? Oh, I tap out a lot now. I, I definitely tap out. I actually recently asked a question on film Twitter: Is that is it okay for if I make it 30 minutes into a movie? Is it fair for me to give it a one star on Letterboxd? And it was a resounding thumping that I took about that no. because I still what do are you it. disrespecting the artist. Is that what they? I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> like I'll keep giving it a chance. Maybe it'll get better. And I don't know. Look, it's trash. After thirty minutes, I'm done, <laughs> I, and the world should know about it. Yeah, Webbish should read it. I, well, that's you know, I, honestly, I think that's part of my uh, issue with, uh, I guess, waiting until now on Colossal. Like, I'm really uh, not only was I being forced to do it for a podcast, but uh, you know, friend of mine, you, is saying, no, 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 it's really good. Because uh, for some reason, I had it in my head that this was like a misfire, or that this was mediocre, that there was hype, and then when people started talking about it on Twitter. They were like, eh, it's okay. It has an interesting premise, but it doesn't do anything with it. And uh, I, I think that I'll go ahead and introduce my, my podcast uh, because this is one of the rare times, and it made it easy for me uh, editing my clip here. This is like the first like five minutes of the show, and the podcast is called Write Your Screenplay Podcast. 
And I do not, uh, as far as I know, follow this gentleman, this account on Twitter. I did one of your tricks, I think, where I just like searched for colossal like movie podcasts and had a right. list. There were actually some other interesting ones. Like there were two that were based on monster movies, and that was for them. And I was, I was like, hmm, I wonder what their audience thought when they got to colossal because colossal is kind of a curveball if you're putting it in the monster movie genre. Like I think it fits there, but it's got a little bit, a little bit extra going on. Colossal is a film that shows you just how much you can get away with if you are willing to trust yourself. This is an example of a movie that simply should not work. So let me give you the premise really quickly. And for those of you who haven't seen it yet, it's important to understand that this is not some experimental art film. This is a mostly naturalistic, character-driven drama about alcoholism. Except instead of exploring alcoholism in a traditional dramatic format, it explores it by mashing up B-movie sci-fi elements with a mostly naturalistic script that seems like it's going in a romantic comedy with some dramatic elements direction. So the, the way that uh, this podcast sets it up is crediting the film. And even though I think this, this one came out in May 2017, which I think was – Around the time it actually finally started getting a theatrical release after playing the festival circuit for you know months, basically saying the uh, the biggest positive about the film is mashing up a lot of genres that don't necessarily seem to fit, and then trusting your your gut, trusting where you're going to go, and trusting your audience that they'll be able to hang with you. And in particular, he was emphasizing the romantic comedy trappings of it. That when you introduce the Jason Sudeikis character, this does seem like it could go in the direction, especially with the sort of Sundance label of like quirky rom-com. Yes. And I'm watching the movie. You know how I feel about rom-coms, but I was, <laughs> I was growing a little concerned uh, because you introduce this woman who, for whatever reason, uh, during her her drunken outbursts and blackout periods uh, in another part of the world is. What would you even call it? I mean, within the reality of the world, she is projecting out a, a monster, a monster I mean, version it's... of herself that goes away whenever, uh, you know, whenever she comes to. Now, later in the film, you understand, you know, it starts to reveal, I guess, how the the the, the world building is as far as it's a right. specific place. Uh, Did you really need that? Did you, as the viewer, need that? No, and I honestly didn't think the movie would go that direction. I thought they would just. Me? I was surprised. I thought yeah. they would just introduce this quirky concept, and then you would see how these uh, these relationships unfold uh, in this this small town between the, these two, I guess, former friends that have moved away from each other and are now like you know they're in a very high concept uh, problem that they have to somewhat solve. I don't know how you would solve that if this happened to you or I. I think I would just – I may just watch my drinking a little bit. but Not me, man. I would embrace this thing. I think I'd be like, Mike, let's go to the playground and play cards <laughs> so the whole world can watch us play play, play some poker, maybe? Well, Giant poker. I have a feeling that you and I would, would come to agreement that we have the monsters do a, a live podcast out in the sea oh, on the Pacific God, Rim. There you go. Promote Marcus Played. Um, there it goes. That'd be awesome. Imagine that robot in that giant tree sitting there talking about Colossal. It'd be like this meta layer of awesome. And, you know, the numbers would probably still rarely hit triple digits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or we could use our giant physical heft 
to force people to download. <laughs> you know? You mean th- if you don't download this podcast, guess what? We're going to start doing way more often. Threatened destruction. And sitting on your building. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> imagine the, uh, the, you know, the, the world tour for that. You know, some of those podcasts do where they have live audiences. You have the monsters roaming around. There's a lot of different ways this movie could have gone, right? And I, I, yeah. I think that tonally, I could see why people might have had a problem with it because you kind of get into a comfort zone where maybe a movie throws you one little twist or you know the, the hook to to kind of put our characters in a heightened situation, and then the expectation is once you reach a certain point, you get comfortable with where the movie's going to go. And I think what I really liked about Colossal, and I hate to say this because you were such a fan of it, so it's you know it's going to be total agreement here. Victory lap. Yeah, is that I think that it purposely tries to keep you uh, uncomfortable as far as where like this movie, the third act I think could have been written any number of ways, and you still would have had a pretty decent movie. But I think this one's close to being perfect, close to great, because that what they do is not comfortable or really likable at all. And especially with Jason Sudeikis and even Anne Hathaway, who's playing our hero here, you know, even in the podcast I'm referencing, they're like, you know, she starts out as the villain. She starts out as a really irresponsible woman who with her alcoholism is not only affecting her life, but realizes that she's affecting people across the planet, destroying their city. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's weird that the movie, you know, hinges on her becoming more responsible uh, and that Jason Sudeikis, who is usually, I think he would be introduced as the guy who like brings her back to reality. Like if you, right. I don't want to compare it to something like sweet home Alabama. Cause if Netflix puts sweet home Alabama and like colossal next to each other, you're gonna have some very angry people. If they go the next box over, I won't have you slander sweet home Alabama. That's a little personal. Uh, is that a guilty pleasure? I don't know. I, I like that movie. I think there's something like to be like. Liked about it, but that is a woman who uh, is introduced as she's got problems and she needs like her old small town buddy back home to like ground her back to reality, like to pull her back in and like, you know, get rid of all of her little scuff marks from the big city. Mm. This movie does not do that at all. Jason Sudeikis revels much like yourself, I guess. In being horrendous, when given the opportunity for power, he—I like how you just, com- <laughs> you know, you know, just wait. I like how you just threw me in there casually into this like gaslighting, <laughs> sick villain of a human being. Well, okay, I guess uh, I don't know how you are in your personal relationships, but definitely when given the opportunity to promote your podcast by threatening to destroy cities, you you went right for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a good point. Yep, you got me there. But I, I don't know if I would. Uh, threaten to destroy a city and force you to drink beers like look mike you must drink beer with me or else i'm going to destroy tokyo or, or korea or wherever it is i i think we've seen movies like this where uh i just watched one uh for for sober cinema which i'm surprised you've not mentioned at this point you let me mention another podcast and didn't correct me with the the, the one that you actually like uh big time adolescence with pete davidson which is not colossal, but it's it's about you know the the bad influence of people that you share interests with or hobbies that try to keep you like tied down to like their their sort of narrative arc their path like and if you if you try to step outside of that possibly better yourself uh that that relationship can can fray and it's interesting because Jason Sudeikis is I think for the most part playing he's introduced as like the nice guy like welcome you back with open arms. But he wants Anne Hathaway to stay a drunk mess, <laughs> so oh, yeah. he can be a drunk mess, and no one can judge him. And he's not—he's obviously pushing the boundaries a little bit 
with the relationship, but he's not rapey. He's not. He's just super controlling. Super. I don't. I don't know what his intentions are. You know, and and I don't think that's the point. It's the point of how he's executing that, or you know, I you don't. I don't really understand his goals. Is his goal to bring her down to his level? Is his goal to engage in some sort of romantic relationship with her? I don't know. I mean, is but I don't think the point of it is. It's it's that. Uh, wolf and sheep's clothing thing that's supposedly going on here. It's more kind of like time crimes. It's it's more about the process than the actual goal. And it's you know it's certainly more fun if you're looking at movies about alcoholism. This one has a little bit more entertainment value. Uh, there's this is not uh, what was that Meg Ryan joint from the mid '90s with Andy Garcia? Oh, um, when a man loves a woman, which is like I've never seen that one. I, I think I saw bits and pieces probably when I was like, you know, when it came out when I was like 12. 12 year old doesn't really need to be watching that. And I don't mean like that the content is uh, uh, too adult. I just mean that the problems are something that a 12 year old is not going to consider. <laughs> like, What are the problems? Uh, I mean, she is. She is well, I'm surprised you've not seen it because this feels like the Hiro wheelhouse. This is Meg Ryan is like super alcoholic and Andy Garcia is mm. just trying to hold it together. And he is, he is the, the, the battered husband that is like, please, for the love of God, get your shit together. So, you know, if you want to see Meg Ryan, um, not in her, uh, when Harry met Sally, you've got male, uh, kind of mode. This would follow more in line with like in the cut. This is Meg Ryan, uh, a little bit darker, uh, a little more okay. dramatic. How'd that work out for her? I think audiences rejected it soundly. Yeah. <laughs> However, Andy Garcia, the pride of Miami, I'll pretty much watch anything with that guy. Love that guy. I don't think – I think there was a lot of untapped potential with Andy Garcia. I agree. I think uh, I, I, he's he's got the looks. He's got the chops. I mean you see him in, in numerous movies. And for instance, you see him in, um, in The Untouchables. He's playing what? Like a, just Italian guy? Is that what he's doing? Or is he Jewish maybe? I don't know what he is. Hey, um, he's, but, he's playing the uh... – Young brash cop. Yeah, he's he's the the well, I mean uh, he he's the best, right? Isn't he the the, the most, sharpshooter? Yeah, he's yeah. the most talented yeah. one. He's the one to cover Costner's ass, uh, I guess. Yep. I read a laying down. There was a, a book. Uh, I think it was written by Art Linson, the the producer of that particular film, and uh, he he wrote kind of like a tell all. And Garcia, I think originally was asked to play um, the the villain. Like this, who who's the I can't remember the name of him. Robert De Niro plays uh, Al Capone. Not not him. The the right hand man. Oh, Frank Nitti. Yeah, and he said, "No, I want to I want to stand like next to Costner. I want to like be one of the cops, Costner Connery." And he thought that was a stupid choice because he's like, "Well, the 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 real meat of it is to play the the diabolical villain who has like the climactic chase sequence." And he said Garcia was smart enough to know what he didn't, which is he's going to be on the poster next to Costner and Connery, and it's going to sort of announce him as, like, up-and-comer. Like, you know, that he's on the... as one right. of the good guys. My point with Garcia was I always kind of expected him to be, like, above the title, and he's just kind of been, like, a working character actor. Far too handsome yeah. to be a working character actor, though. Yeah, you know, you're right. And, and I mean, I'm trying to think of what is his big role. You know, I guess he had that big role in Godfather 3, but, it's, again, still not really top line sort of guy because there you've got all the returning characters you know you've got a lot of stuff going on but i can't think of what andy garcia has done to to really you know put himself out there on the front like that maybe he doesn't chase it yeah maybe he, I, I don't know now it's it's very different as far as movie stars go but you know i, I wouldn't expect someone like 
Andy Garcia to to be playing the Jason Sudeikis part, but at one time he was the <laughs> the battered husband of Meg Ryan. So, <laughs> <who knows? laughs> so Andy Garcia, as you know, how the IMDb has the uh, the what you're known for. So he's known number one is Ocean's Eleven, number two is Godfather Part Three, number three is The Lost City from 2005. I don't know what that is. Nor do I. And number four is Ocean's Twelve. What is the Lost City? And this is, I think, you're 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 uh, you're spot on here because none of these are big leading roles for him. He's a bit, especially in the Ocean's movie. He's one of a numerous folks, and he's the villain. He's not the the main he guy. He finally settled on playing the villain. He finally accepted the role instead of just being one of Clooney's gang. Yeah, I guess, man, that's a you know lost opportunity there. I would have liked to have seen Andy Garcia be the leading man, but. Such as life. So maybe Jason Sudeikis will get there. I don't. I don't really see it. I don't. I mean, <laughs> good for him on whatever he accomplishes, and I respect that he took such a uh, uh, a horrifying role here. Um, but I, I also wonder with that, you know, the, our theme of like the sense of discovery, if that also works against it, because Jason Sudeikis, known for comedies. Known for like you know it's gonna be a good time and the premise here well, yeah. is pretty he's goofy. He's a Saturday Night Live alum, so I mean he's a funny guy. Yeah. So if someone clicks on this and they're not prepped, like with me, I like I kind of liked being swept away where I'm like I don't I don't really know where this is gonna go. Like at you know certain points I'm questioning like oh, I hope this doesn't become just like a goofy or uh, quirky rom com, and then when it subverts that I'm I'm cool with that. It subverts it again, I'm cool with it. But this does not seem like the type of thing that audiences would be primed to accept, which, uh, you know, when I looked at, up the reviews, the Rotten Tomatoes score is actually like mid-80s. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, 81%, which is better than I thought. But then I get on Letterboxd, uh, which is not general audiences, and it's like a three, average score of three out of five. Really? Yeah. 3.3. Yeah. Do you think that this movie requires work to to really appreciate it? Because there's a lot of layers here. There's there's the layer of the alcoholism, right? There's the layer of the abuse from the men in her life, right? There's that. There's also the sci-fi layer. There's just a fun sci-fi aspect to it, this heroism stuff. But there's a lot going on in this movie. Do you think this movie requires too much work for folks or it's just, I don't know, or is it an expectation problem? It, it requires like an acceptance that some very serious subject matter is going to be packaged in such uh, such a silly premise. Maybe, right? Because um, it does keep it from getting like too melodramatic. Like, I mean, I think the most melodramatic moment in the movie is when Sudeikis sets his bar on fire with fireworks, which is like, I mean, it is a grown man throwing a temper tantrum, and he's doing Big time. <laughs> he's yeah. doing it in front of a uh, handsome Dan Stevens, who also I'll give credit to not a uh, not a tasty part that he's got here. Is no. sort of the, the nagging boyfriend. I mean, not that he's in the wrong. He is asking for Anne Hathaway to get her shit together, but there's not, you know, there's not a lot of But he's also there. a very controlling sort of, like, it's a different way. Jason Sudeikis is the extreme. Like, he is the extreme of villainy when it comes to the Me Too movement, right? He is extreme. But Dan Stevens is right there with him. You know, he he's, he's framed in the beginning for most of the movie as sort of the uh abused sort of because of her drinking and all that stuff but in the end you can see the control and see the the boundaries that he's trying to put on her in in various ways it's just you know they're both kind of shitty and so is she really i mean she's kind of shitty too yeah i mean and, and that's the thing like the uh the rooting interest for this film 
um, you know, it, it makes you feel bad for even the monsters, even the spectacle. But even that, even the, uh, you know, the kaiju stuff here, the, the, you watch Pacific Rim, you know, it, it's the same stakes. Terrible movie. Uh, I, I know how you feel about that. Like, I, I, I am a fan of Pacific Rim, and, uh, you know, I, I'm only taking that as you being incredibly racist against international filmmakers making their dreams come true. They shouldn't. Be, they should have a separate award for them. Don't put them in the main category. <laughs> so disgusting. But Pacific Rim, same stakes, right? A lot of people are going to die. But we we were meant to like. There's a rah rah moment. Like you're watching Rocky. You know, you're watching a boxing match where if one of them gets knocked down, hundreds of thousands of people will be crushed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I I respect Colossal because even the simplest thing like her, uh, you know, smacking a helicopter, she immediately knows that she's just killed. A few people, at the very least. Right. The yeah. movie never lets you have, like, that much comfort with it. And that's what I, I – but it's packaged in a way that's very light and entertaining and pleasing. Like, it, it's a very odd bird for me to compare it to something else that's that's like it. I think it's totally original, and it's – like, you were talking about it being your top ten. I think, uh, you know, whatever year this was, however you want to look at it, uh, it would probably be in my top five for that year. Like, I, this is yeah. one I want to revisit again. Yeah, no, it, it, I, I really loved it because it – I think, and that's the. I went down and I checked out Time Crimes from Vigilando, you, you know, going down that rabbit hole. And it, there is a, a, a really, a real sense of originality with him. Um, I haven't continued down that rabbit hole, but I, I think I will. I think I will continue to go and check out some of his stuff. Looking on IMDb, though, some of his other efforts are, are pretty low rated. They're in the fives on the rating scale, but can we really trust IMDb to respect the foreign filmmaker? You know, or Euro trash, as you would like to call him. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Academy to come up with new categories. You know, they they renamed uh, foreign language film to international, and next will be Euro trash, like <laughs> Euro trash <laughs> of 2020. Uh, maybe one day. Um, I don't know. What do you? Uh, I think that we probably have not made the appropriate case. Like, if you're listening to a podcast about Colossal, you're, you're probably a homer. You're playing for the home team. Uh, especially now where it's not a new release. Uh, but it has, you know, it, it spurred me in a different direction as far as what, uh, what I want to go to with our next, next episode. And, and what is that? I think we should, I think we should look at, uh, Andy Garcia types. I think that should be our theme is the, the movie stars that weren't, that possibly should have been. Ooh, I, I, obviously Andy Garcia is right at the top of the list. Um, I don't know. I'd have to do a little research. You know, the, the re- it has to be a really good looking people, right? That that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, because I mean that is like, it's Hollywood. We're not it's, subverting those expectations. We're immediately saying the the uggos are discounted from ever being a movie star. Yes. I mean, we're gonna. Where's Emily Mackey when you need her? Let's do some hot or not here. <laughs> well, okay, like side question then. Uh, what, what do you think is the the closest you can say to like that is categorically an ugly individual unattractive who became a movie star tom hanks isn't is not a great looking man wow you were god like we're come on man we're trying to get people to listen to the show we can't go out with next week's episode titled tom hanks is ugly since mark has played <laughs> <laughs> oh man well i mean he's not your prototypical you know um Brad Pitt sort of guy, right? But I would, I would, I would say he's also not unappealing to the eye either. I don't think just by looking at him, people are thinking <laughs> this is this is him <laughs> playing like a, you know, someone that is uh, disfigured or is playing like a role where it's like 
uh, who was it? Uh, actually, well, Seth Rogen. Maybe maybe that's the closest approximation because he's play- had many a part where the the premise of the film is who would ever fuck this guy. How about Sam Jackson? You're calling Sam Jackson ugly? I'll do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're asking for my opinion here. I mean, I think I'm I'm glad we're going with uh, the, the- Jeremy Renner with a bullet. Him and his knobby, nasty hands. <laughs> I was about to agree with you. <laughs> but then I thought, I have no opinion on his hands. Ben Stiller? See, I'm coming up with so many rules. Like, you're actually playing along, and I'm like, I don't know if we can count comedy actors. Because for the most part, people expect bad things. I mean, they expect cum to be hanging off your ear. And uh, But even then, he still Fair scores enough. with Cameron Diaz. So I don't know. How about height? Like, uh, what's the little guy from... Uh, um like always with the rock. It's a little guy. Kevin Hart? Yeah. You're saying he's, like he's three feet tall. You're saying he's ugly just because he's short? Yeah. <laughs> you know, listeners, if you're with us, wish us well on next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> when we dive into Kevin Hart or Jack Black, which one we have to suffer through? I'm just going to stick with Andy Garcia. I'm going to stick with the, you know, we'll, we'll pick on the pretty people that it didn't all come together for him. There you go. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> that derailed. Idiots. <laughs> that. Oh, hold on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> hold on. I'll be right down, okay? I'm not done right now. I'll let you know. <laughs> go. Close the door. Monsters. This is. Have kids. I feel like that's a... Oh, that, sorry, that's man. That's an uh, iTunes review right there. Are you done? Can you be done right now? Like, <laughs> 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 done. <laughs>